Well, see if you agree with this statement. If God can create the world, and if God can raise Jesus from the dead, then he can make me the disciple I should be. Would you agree with that? As we think about God's power in creating the world and raising Jesus from the dead, he can certainly work in us as we trust him to do so. 21 days to Easter, it's an opportunity for us to form new habits, to walk in newness of life, to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We just need to focus on it. We're looking at 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. We recognize that Jesus is the life. We need to know him and make him known. Makes sense, doesn't it? 1 John 1, 5 to 10, God is light. We need to walk in the light. And if we don't walk in the light, then we need to confess our sins. And then today, 1 John 2, verses 3 through 11, if we walk in the light, then we will love one another. That goes along with the great commandment. Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment in the Old Testament? And he said, number one, love the Lord your God. Number two, love your neighbor as yourself. We need to walk in love. Let's look at 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 through 11. Now by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Brethren, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write to you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away, and the true light is already shining. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Let's pray together. Lord, as we look at these verses, we pray that you will help us to understand what it means to be a disciple, and, and that we will not be content with where we are. Instead, we will recognize our sin, confess and repent, trust you to, to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, and then you will help to work these characteristics into our hearts and into our lives for your honor and for your glory. Pray for Ray Fail. Just, just heard that he probably does not have long to live. I pray that you'll give comfort and peace to him as well as to Peggy and the rest of the family and that you'll work out your perfect timing. We thank you for him and his faithfulness. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. We are going to look at three marks of a disciple. The first one is found in verses 3 through 5, and, and basically it is this, careful obedience, careful obedience. If we know him, we will keep his commandments. That's obedience. Our, our relationship with Jesus Christ ought to result in a changed life. Let's look at verses 3 and following. Now by this we know 
that we know him if we keep his commandments. Spoke on this about a month or so ago. If, if we don't live habitually for God, then we need to ask ourselves the question, do I really know Jesus Christ as Savior? Now, I'm convinced that we're saved by faith in Jesus Christ. We're not saved by good works. But if we have faith in Jesus Christ, if we have trusted him as Savior and Lord, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. In other words, if we really know Jesus Christ, we ought to be living for him. Doesn't mean we don't sin at all. I'm not talking about sinless perfection. We're talking about moving toward being more like Jesus Christ. And, and if we're not doing that, then we need to ask ourselves the question, what's wrong? Because it clearly says, by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Now, I'm convinced that just reading God's word slowly is a good idea. Let's look at verse number four. He who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. A lot of talk about hypocrisy nowadays. And there are some hypocrites in the church, are there not? That's not the way it ought to be. Basically, John talks about that problem. If we claim to know Jesus Christ, but we don't keep his commandments, then we're hypocritical. We're a liar. The truth is not in us. Again, I'm not talking about sinless perfection. There might be a few people that expect Christians to be sinlessly perfect, but most people recognize that we're all going to make mistakes. The question is, are we seeking to, to live for God? Are we genuine? Are we really seeking to walk in the light as he is in the light? Verse number five, but whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. We know that we know him. We know that we are in him. If God's love shines through in our lives. Now we're going to be talking about love in point number three. But the reality is that keeping his commandments means experiencing and expressing his love. Because when, when you look at God's word, in Galatians chapter 5 and other portions of scripture, it indicates that if we, if we love people, then we're going to be keeping the law. If we love people, we're going to be living according to the word of God. Exodus chapter 20 has the Ten Commandments. If you want to, you can break down those two commandments into two categories. The first four, love God. The next six, love your neighbor as yourself. Because that's what the Ten Commandments is all about. That's what the Bible is all about. Loving God and loving one another. That's why Jesus summarized it in such a way. We need to recognize the importance of God's love when it comes to keeping his commandments. And that's how we know that we know him. That's how we know that we are in him. But point number one is this. Mark number one of a disciple is careful obedience. Are you careful to obey? Sometimes instead of careful, we are what? Careless. We don't really give much attention to obedience. There's some that don't think about it at all during the course of the week. Maybe on Sunday morning if they go to church, they think about it. But we need to be careful to focus on obeying God. If we love him, what will we do? Keep his commandments. Mark number one, careful obedience. Mark number two is Christ-likeness. Look at verse number six. He who says, 
he abides in him, ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Again, the, the issue is that we need to make sure that our talk and our walk match up. If we claim to abide in Christ, if we claim to have a personal relationship with him, then God's word indicates that we should walk like he walked. In other words, we ought to live like Jesus. I remember preaching that one time and a, a gentleman came up to me afterwards and said, I never thought about it like that. And, and I think that sometimes we look at Christ-likeness and we think, well, that's impossible. God does not expect us to do that. But as you look at that verse, God does expect us to do that. If we claim to abide in Him, we ought to walk like He walked. God sometimes goes to great lengths to help us walk like He walked. Sort of like the clay that we saw just a couple of minutes ago. The, the maker of the pottery transforms that clay into something special. It might not be a a process which is comfortable for the clay, although I don't think the clay really is animate. It doesn't, it doesn't think or anything. But for us, sometimes it's not comfortable. But God works things together for good. Wouldn't you agree with that? Romans 8, 28, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. The next verse says this, for whom He foreknew, He also predestined to do what? To be conformed to the image of his son. God works things together for good, and one of the ways he does so is to use our circumstances to help us to become like Jesus Christ. Christ-likeness is a mark of a disciple. In fact, the word Christian basically means Christ one. Somebody who's following Jesus Christ, somebody who's seeking to be like Jesus Christ. Discipleship, disciple is supposed to be like his master. We're supposed to be like the Lord Jesus Christ. So not only do we need careful obedience, we also need Christ-likeness. How do we get it? Basically, we get it by spending much time with Jesus Christ. That's what the disciples did. They spent time with Jesus Christ. And we need to do the same thing. John chapter 15, in verse number 5, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. We cannot live the Christian life. We can't be like Jesus Christ without abiding in Christ, without that personal relationship. A lot of times we talk about relationship transformation and impact here. It starts with relationship, that abiding relationship with Jesus Christ. And when we have that relationship, God little by little changes us to become more like Jesus Christ. One day I'm going to try to find that, that the, the picture of owners and their pets. Have you all ever seen that? Owners and pets. And the owners and pets, they look almost identical. And the implication is that if you own a pet, spend a lot of time with it, the pet will start looking like you and vice versa. I don't know that that is true, but I do know biblically that the more time we spend with Jesus Christ, the more we become like Him. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse number 18, 
Paul talked about the fact that as we behold him, then we are transformed into the same image from one degree of glory, even by the Spirit of the Lord. In other words, as we behold Jesus Christ, we become like Jesus Christ. One of the reasons we're not more like Jesus Christ is because we're not beholding him very much. We're too busy. We got too much going on. We're distracted by television, by internet, by hobbies, sometimes by working a little bit too hard or whatever it might be. We're distracted from the most important thing, which is that relationship with Jesus Christ, which results in transformation so that we become more like him. In other words, God changes us so that he can use us. That makes sense, doesn't it? Don't you want to be used by God? You probably won't be used by God very much unless God little by little changes you to become more like the Lord Jesus Christ. And that takes place through relationship. Relationship, transformation, and impact. So it's important that we pursue Christ-likeness. And we do so by abiding in Jesus Christ. 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 28 talks about abiding in Christ. It says, Now little children, abide in Him, that when He appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. Jesus Christ is coming back. It might be soon. I mean, many people think it's going to be very soon. I don't know when He's coming, but I do know that we need to be ready. And the way that we get ready is twofold. Number one, by trusting Jesus Christ as our Savior, recognizing our sin, the fact that we deserve to spend eternity in hell, recognizing that Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins so we can go to heaven if we believe, if we trust Him as our Savior. But the Christian life is more than one decision. It's an ongoing relationship with Jesus Christ. And when we abide in Jesus Christ, we become more like Him so when Jesus Christ comes back, there will be no need for us to be ashamed because we're like Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? So Christ-likeness is one of the marks of a disciple. First one is careful obedience. We're careful to obey God's Word. And, and I think that when we, when we think about obedience, we need to recognize that our obedience should be predetermined. We decide beforehand that we're going to obey God in every circumstance, in every situation. If we wait until the temptation comes to decide to obey God, we might be in trouble. But if we predetermine beforehand that we're going to obey God, it really does make a positive difference. We need to trust God, but we also need to, to predetermine that by His grace, we're going to obey Him because we love Him. That's what Jesus said in John 14, 15, I believe it is. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. So careful obedience, Christ-likeness, and then one more mark is found in verses 8 through 11. Consistent love. I mean, sometimes God's word is redundant, is it not? It seems to go on and on. And there's some of us that are probably thinking, well, that point was made last verse. Why is it being repeated? Well, let me, let me share with you why it's being repeated. It's being repeated because many of us don't pay attention. We, we do the same thing with our parents. Our parents say, you need to do such and such. And we have selective hearing. We don't hear them unless it's something we want to do. 
They say, take out the trash. We just sort of sit there. We don't hear them. They say, would you like an ice cream cone? A lot of times we hear that. But, but the problem is that, that so often we, we don't do what God's Word says, so God's Word is, is redundant. It says it time and time again. Look at verses 8 through 11. We're in 1 John chapter 2. Again, a new commandment I write to you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Should have started at verse number 7. Brethren, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have heard from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write to you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. That doesn't make sense, does it? He basically says, I'm, I'm writing a new commandment to you, but there's an old commandment as well. Well, in the Old Testament, did it say we need to love? Love God and love one another? certainly does. In Deuteronomy and Leviticus, it says that we need to do that. Did, did they really understand how to do that? In the New Testament, we find out that the only way we can love is through the power of the Holy Spirit. The only way that we can love is through God working in us and through us. Romans um, chapter 5, verse number 5, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who's given to us. In, in Galatians 5.22, it says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, and so on. So in the Old Testament, it was more a, we need to try our best to love. In the New Testament, we need to depend on God to work in us in such a way that we love. So it's the same basic concept. The difference is a recognition that relationship with Jesus Christ is the only way that we can love like we ought to love. Verse number nine. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. We have a contrast here. The person who hates his brother is walking in darkness. The person who loves his brother, and that's not just your physical brother, that's, that's, that's basically brothers and sisters in Christ, it's our neighbors, it's people around us. He who loves his neighbor is the one who's walking in the light. So, so we have a, a contrast here. Love neighbor, walk in the light. Hate neighbor, walk in darkness. Now, did, did you notice that, that it says in verse number 11, he does not know where he's going because darkness has blinded his eyes? Do you recognize that a lot of people that don't love others are blind to it? They don't recognize it. It's sort of like what it says in James chapter 1 and verse number 22. It says that we need to be not just hearers of the word, but doers as well. If we're just a hearer, we're deceiving our own selves. And there are a lot of people, even in the church, who are deceived, who think, well, I'm, I'm doing a pretty good job. I'm, I'm doing a pretty good job of obeying God's word. I'm doing a pretty good job of loving people. I'm okay. But the reality is that they are walking in darkness. They're not loving their brother. We need to evaluate ourselves and ask ourselves the question, am I loving like I ought 
to love. Because consistent love is one of the marks of a disciple. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is a much used portion of Scripture at weddings because it talks about love. And it says love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. And it goes on to describe love. If we honestly look at that portion of Scripture, many of us would say, you know what? I might be loving okay when, I, when, it, when it comes to the perspective of the world. But when it comes to the perspective of the Word, I'm not doing very well. Because I'm not patient. Sometimes I'm rude. Sometimes I keep record of wrongs. Sometimes I get mad easily. Sometimes I'm selfish. And that is not what love is all about. If we claim to be abiding in Christ and walking in the light, but we hate our brother, we don't love our brother or sister or father or mother or children or friend or co-worker or whatever it might be, we're walking in darkness. We're not walking in the light. And we're not being the disciples that we ought to be. John chapter 13. Jesus is talking about discipleship. And this is what he says in John 13, 34 to 35. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So how do people know that we are his disciples? Well, if we have love for one another. And the love that we have for one another needs to be like the love which Jesus had for the world. Was his a selfish love? Definitely not. He was willing to sacrifice the glories of heaven for a time. He was willing to come and live a life of relative poverty. He was willing to suffer and die a horrible death on the cross. Why? Because he loved you and he loved me and he wanted us to spend eternity with him in heaven. That's the kind of love that we need to have, a selfless love, a sacrificial love, a love like Jesus. The question we need to ask ourselves is this, do we have consistent love? Maybe this is why Paul in Philippians 1.9 said this, this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. In other words, Paul prayed for the Philippian church that they might grow in their love. Do we need to grow in our love? I would say that I do. How many of you feel like you need to grow in your love? Okay. Most of you aren't asleep. That's good. Because most of us recognize that we do need to grow in our love. Three marks of a disciple. The first one is careful obedience. If we know Jesus Christ, we will keep his commandments. If we say that we know him and don't keep his commandments, we're hypocrites. Number two, Christ-likeness. If we say that we abide in him, we ought to walk like he walked. And then number three, consistent love. If we walk in the light, we will love our brother. And if we're not loving our brother, then we're not walking in the light. There are 21 days till Easter. Haven't you always heard that you can, you can develop new habits in 21 days? I've always heard that. And I believe that, that it's true, that if we really focus we can develop new habits in 21 days. 
I think that, that there are uh, three habits that would be good to develop over the next 21 days. Wouldn't you agree with that? Careful obedience, Christ-likeness, consistent love. If we really focus on it and trust God, then I believe that can be true. If you've been watching my little videos, I've been talking from Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. Now unto him who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask according to the power that works in us, unto him be glory in the church throughout all ages, world without end, by Jesus Christ, throughout all ages, world without end. There are basically four points that I'm going through. I summarized them the first day. Uh, today I talked about the first point. Next three days I'll talk about the next three. Point number one, as we look at that verse, we need to dream big. He is able to do what? Exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think. Sometimes our expectations are way too small. We don't really expect God to change us and use us. We figure that we're going to keep on living the same way we've been living. But the reality is that God does want to transform us by the renewing of our minds. He is able to do so, and we need to trust Him to do just that. We need to dream big. I don't know exactly what God needs to do in your life. All of us need to grow in these areas of discipleship that we're talking about from 1 John chapter 2. But there might be some other things God needs to do in your life. Dream big. Trust Him to do great and mighty things in and through you. And that's point number two. Number one, dream big. Number two, depend on God because He is the one that is able. Philippians 2.13, God is the one who works in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. So we need to trust in Him to depend on Him. Dream big. Depend on God. Do what it takes. Is it not true that faith without works is dead? After talking about the fact that we're saved by faith in Jesus Christ in Ephesians chapter 2, Paul said, We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. In other words, we need to do what it takes to be diligent, to do what it takes to move in the direction God wants us to go. Recognize that we can't do so without Depending on God, without Him we can do nothing, but we do what it takes. Is that easy? No, sometimes it is a, a significant challenge. I, I am not normally up and dressed and ready at 6.33. So for these 40 days, I'm setting my clock for 5 o'clock. There is no Bible verse that's 5. I, I should set it for 5.01, Romans chapter 5.01. Is a, is a good verse, but I'm setting it for 5 o'clock, and then I have nine-minute snoozes on, on my iPhone. I don't know why iPhone set nine minutes for their snoozes. Can you change that? Does anybody know? Rebecca, research that for me and find out if I can change my snoozes to seven minutes, the perfect number, Mickey Mantle's number. But I, my, my clock goes off at 5, and then at 5.09, it rings again. And then sometimes it, it rings again in, in another nine minutes. Hopefully I'm up by about 5.30 at least. And if, if, I, if I speak from home, that might be because I snoozed it one or two times more than I should have. But the reality is we're going to be willing to do what it takes if we are serious about living 
for God. And if, if we are serious about living for God, we're not doing it for ourselves. We dream big, we depend on God, we do what it takes, and we do all to the glory of God. Why are you doing what you're doing? That's a good question. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, or 10, verse number 31. Whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, do all to the glory of God. So, three marks of a Christian, of a disciple. Careful obedience. Are you carefully obeying God? Christ-likeness. Are you becoming more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ? And then consistent love. Are you loving like you ought to love? Aren't you glad when we look at the previous chapter, verse number 9 exists? It says, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Because so often, we don't have careful obedience. We're not Christ-like. We don't have consistent love, and we need to confess and repent. But we don't need to be content with continuing to sin. We need to be trusting God to change us so that he can use us for his honor and for his glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for these marks of a disciple. I pray that we might not just understand them intellectually, but that we might seek to apply this to our hearts and to our lives. We pray that over these next three weeks between now and Easter, that we will significantly become more like the Lord Jesus Christ, that we will obey, that we will love like you want us to, for your honor and for your glory. We thank you for salvation through Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for our sins. We thank you for sanctification, that you are working in us to help us to become more like you. And we thank you eventually for glorification, because when we see you, when Jesus Christ comes back, we'll be like you, for we will see you as you are. We just pray, Lord, that you will work all of this in us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together and sing. If you need to make a decision, please do so as we sing. If you're online and want to respond, uh, there is a place where you can do that. But let's, let's um, be thinking as we sing about the fact that we need to become more like the Lord Jesus Christ, that we need to obey better and love better.